Blog Talk Radio. training and learning performance and competition like no place on earth the net live is brought to you by the spire institute integrating sports and education training and learning performance and competition like no place on earth spireinstitute.org now on with the show The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. Spireinstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter, there's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind you. Reeves. All this travel and playing and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Line right now. 
Are we on? Hopefully. <laughs> Sit one step back to take two forward, something like that. Yep. That might have been two steps back right there. Welcome welcome back to the old days of the Net Live when we had just had trouble getting on air. We hope that you're hearing this. The chat board seems to think so. <laughs> we were just fashionably late today. Been off for a week. It's vacation. Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, that's how There's we behave. All this traffic I had getting here. <laughs> now, we're trying to incorporate some new technology here to the soundboard, and uh, we got to figure it out. We'll keep working on it. We have some new equipment here at the Net Live. We've, thanks to the generous t shirt purchases of many of our fans, had a little cash to spend on the show. So, we have tried to upgrade the headsets, the audio aspect of this program. And like anything, it's like a car, okay? So you buy a fancy new piece for your car, and it turns out in order to put that piece on or have that piece not destroy other parts of your car, you have to upgrade other pieces of your car. Maybe we need a new soundboard. No, there's. I needed more than five minutes to figure it out. There's some button that we have to press that we just don't know. I'm going to shoot the cat. So if you can hear the cat in the background, maybe by next week you won't because uh, I'll take care of it. I feel like I'm going to come over sometime and you'll be like, oh, the cat is gone. And not gone like yeah. it was its time. You decided it was its time. The cat is 18 years old in real years, like human years, which is basically a 90-plus-year-old person in cat years. Yeah. And the cat behaves like a 90-year-old person. Problems with the uh, the digestive tract and the uh, waste tract. Howls in the middle of the night. Massive dementia. I didn't know that, that cats and dogs get dementia. Has no idea who you are anymore. No, no clue. Except I'm the guy who grabs it and throws it off the couch because yep. it can't be on the couch anymore. On Dustin's couch. Too much uh, too much problems. Well, anyways, it's neither here nor there. But Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, for another week. We appreciate you tuning in. Jeremy and I appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, apparently nobody else does. We've gotten rid of everyone else. Uh, Dustin Aval, for those of you wanting to know, still not employed. And now on vacation. So if you're not employed... <laughs> Just take just go, a vacation. Just go on vacation. There's nothing wrong with it. Dustin Avall down in San Diego. Chris McGee is employed. He's actually overemployed. You heard of people being underemployed? Well, Chris McGee is overemployed. And Reed Pretty, I don't know what his excuse is. I think he's just on a bus somewhere in Turkey, so that, that'd probably, that's probably good enough. I still keep envisioning a bus in Turkey looking much like Romancing the Stone. Ugh. Just him on the bus, chickens everywhere. I mean, uh, that's more Afghanistan, but... On a one-way... Road on the mountain on a bus that like you can't two cars can't fit by each other. Right. Yeah. Right. You crash into the truck full of exotic birds. <laughs> Something like that. So read pretty not part of the program. We have for you today. We'll have great discussion about uh, a variety of volleyball topics, including the cover of a local paper here featuring Phil Dalhauser and Sean Rosenthal. Partners. A rule change to FIVB that uh, has some of the old school people all just. Flipping out. People are going to panic, full panic. Flipping out. I was getting texts yesterday from our buddy Ojan about the new net rules in Beach. We'll discuss that. Maybe ABC at College of Volleyball Week with Mike and Jay. And we'll have Kathy DeBoer on for Coach's Corner, uh, director of the AVCA. And we'll discuss sand volleyball with Kathy. Sand volleyball back underway. About double the number of teams that participated last year participating this year. I had a conversation with somebody this past week about calling it sand or beach. Well, they have sand at Georgia State. They don't have a beach. Correct. So I guess that's the point, right? Yeah. And I drove by the USC courts yesterday on my way sand home. Sand courts? Yes, from Staples Center. Look great. 
literally right off Figueroa. Right across from from the arena. Galen, yeah. Yeah. You could bounce a ball, and it could be on Figueroa. Most likely to bounce the ball and have it end up in Figueroa. Or go high spatchy like I do. (laughs) And it may make it across the street to Galen. Clear the fence. Yes. I'm going for distance. Into the ticket booth. Just (laughs) high tennis racket spatchy hand right over the fence across the street. You're just looking for fingers. You're just looking for touch. Yeah. I'm trying to hit high hands when there's no block, and then it just launches it across the street. It's awesome. (laughs) I love it. No, they're just putting in some beautiful facilities. Georgia State, their facility looks gorgeous. Three very nice courts. They have banners surrounding the whole thing. It's beautiful. Great atmosphere. And I imagine, I would hope that these facilities are open for some student use. You would hope so. For tournaments or something. And instead of just locking them up, they, yeah, have they like look some, great. Have some leagues there to pay for it, do something. Yeah, I would imagine they're going to have that. Because there's certainly wide participation in the sport of volleyball, uh, both beach and indoor, or sand and indoor, but certainly indoor intramurally, of course, at nearly every school. I mean, UC San Diego, not known for their volleyball programs, huge intramural programs, mm-hmm. huge intramural programs in the UC and, and uh, state systems. And how, I mean, how easy is it going to be to be like, look, some of your co-eds, females, are playing on the sand volleyball course today. It's 80 degrees outside. You should probably come check it out. Yeah, if you have uh, any interest in that type of thing, you might want to go by. I think even if you don't, it could be a good atmosphere. It'd be a good date. Let's go play some Sam Ball. Let's go get some sets. Sets, I'll kill you. <laughs> kill you. <laughs> All right, what was Misty and Carrie's win streak? It was like 103. 103? I think Penn State like was that. like 109, something like that. I bring. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. Go ahead. So Misty and Carrie's win streak, 103. Somebody on the chat board can look up the exact number, please. Whatever it was, it was crazy, right? And all this hubbub, all this attention to, is it 20 yet? The Miami Heat, yeah, they passed the Clippers. Clippers had 17. Miami Heat passed the Clippers. I think they're at, if they're not at 20, they're really close. All right, I'm looking it up. But the Miami Heat with this win streak. Oh, the win streak they have in ESPN going 24-7 coverage. All right, it's 23 straight, or 22 straight. They're going to be after 23. The record's like 35? 33. 33. Record is 33. But there's all this attention being paid to this win streak. Good win streak. Certainly. Yep. But my message to LeBron and Dwayne, known personally, is that they have 70 to go for it to mean anything in the volleyball world. 70. 70. You have to go basically an entire another season. And then we'll talk about it mattering. Now, ESPN, they don't need that kind of verification. ESPN has been all over this since about 14. They're at two-game win streak. Let's hop on the bandwagon. What else are they going to talk about? I don't know. I'm getting a little tired of their own narrative. They just make stuff up. For instance, Adrian Peterson and his return to the game, his ACL recovery. Yep. I wanted to see him break the record. Of course. Outside the injury. I, I can't believe he came nine yards short. Nine. Ugh. But I'd rather be 100 yards short than nine. But the narrative for me, ESPN, is the hero narrative of Adrian Peterson. And the unfortunate thing is this is sending a message to other athletes, other programs, that six months is enough to return to full contact, full speed, better than ever from an ACL. 
because Adrian Peterson did it. There's only a couple problems with this. Number one, Adrian Peterson, have you seen him? The guy's a freak. He's a genetic yeah. freak. Yeah. And I'm sure he just worked like a dog to get back. That was a complaint when he came to the NFL that he worked out too much. Too much. Too much. So he's just an animal. He is just an absolute workout machine, incredibly conditioned athlete in a way that's not even possible for those that would work just as hard, given his genetics and his work ethic. He was in great shape before he got injured already. Yeah. So there's that. The other part of it is, and this is where ESPN has kind of roiled me, is that they have lightly to almost not at all reported the fact that Adrian Peterson almost didn't make it to most of these games. He didn't have a ton of practice during the week because he could not. Mm-hmm. His knee was hurting. The rest of his body was hurting. He was experiencing problems with the hip and all kinds of things around that knee. That he basically sacked up on game day and came and played at an unbelievable level. He's not 100%, though, which is. is hard to believe considering the yards he piled up. Yeah. But he's not 100%. But that doesn't fit the ESPN hero narrative that they want to tell. Yeah. So that's almost not reported at all. And it sets a bad precedent for other athletes and other people trying to come back from either that injury or other major injuries. We hear them um, talking about RG3. They're like, oh, well, Adrian Peterson did it. RG3 can do it as well. Exactly. Which, like you said, sets that precedent to like, yeah, you blew out your knee and you can't walk and all this stuff, but you should be ready to go within like six months. Right. No, you shouldn't. Not 100%. You're not going to be 100% from a major surgery injury. You're not going to be 100% for... At least 12 months, probably more like 18. How do you – I never understand the fact when people say oh, – there's one torture of the cat for the show so far. I never understand how people say, like, oh, I'm going to get healthier as the season goes on. Like, as as a normal person? As a normal person, <laughs> as me, like, if I hurt myself like I have many a time, I can't play volleyball and be like, oh, that injury will get better. Even though, let's say it's healed up, like my ankle is healed now. Yeah, mostly. Yes, but then I can't go keep playing on it going, oh, I'll play into shape. I don't understand how people can play into shape and into health. That's what you have to do. Now, I I give great admiration, and uh, I think he's shown a lot of courage here, Derek Rose, being patient with his comeback. I'm not mentally ready. That's what he said, and I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. Get stronger. Feel 100%. Don't Don't rush back. I wish I hadn't rushed back. I'd have played another five years had I not rushed back. Look, the Bulls aren't going to. If the Bulls could possibly win the championship this year if he came back, maybe. No, but they're not going. You don't even know that. You don't even know that. No, I know that. But even if he came back, they're not going to win the championship this year. That's not going to happen. True. So don't. But even if they could, don't. I'm with you. But there would be more of an argument for it. He needs to feel confident that, like you said, he can jump and do everything that he can off of that knee. Because what's going to happen is you start thinking about it, I'm worried about it, I'm worried about it, you're going to hurt it again. You're going to hurt something else. Yeah. That's what most likely is going to happen. You're going to hurt your other knee or another, or your ankle or whatever. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, I, I don't want to gripe about ESPN too much, but they at this point they have reached the point where they they don't report the news. They make up narratives. And, I mean, I think it's been going on for a while, but I just see example after example, whether it's Tebow, who is not an NFL-quality athlete, or, pardon me, quarterback. He's an NFL-quality athlete. He's not an NFL quarterback, period. Or 
Following the white van of Peyton Manning. Yeah. Or Manti Teo, which they could not let go forever. They still can't. I know they have to have time. They have to fill time up because they have these shows. They have these pundits. I, I understand. but well, It's a 24-hour day network. But let's get into some other, not even other sports. Let's just get into, let's be more creative than, let's go back to Manti Teo again. Let's, uh, let's again feature Tim Tebow. Would you go in another direction and give us some other information? I'd like to learn about other teams, not about a third-string quarterback for the Jets, who, first of all, the team is no good. Secondly, you're third-string on one of the worst teams in the league. The thing that bothers me now is I feel like they're creating the story. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what I, I know. Yeah, yeah, they're creating the story as opposed to let's follow the story or investigate the story to give you more details. It's like... Okay, here's a little part of the story. We're going to create the narrative for the rest of it. Correct. Which, again, is bothersome. Because then it's like you're not reporting. You're a soap opera at this point. You're creating. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're basically WWF. There's not a big leap between yeah. what ESPN is doing yeah. between all right, WWE, <laughs> not the World Wildlife Fund. Canyon would be upset. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, there's not a big leap between what ESPN is doing and the WWE. Yeah. They're basically writing storylines. Yeah. About guys that, that do not incorporate the truth. Truth is, Adrian Peterson struggled to get to each weekend. He wasn't 100%. And I think that's okay to report. Doesn't that make his story even that much more amazing? You don't ever hear it. And I think, I think it's because it doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah. It, it doesn't fit the way they want to portray it. And you know there's meetings upon meetings about how they want to deal with certain issues. Of how course. they want oh, to report certain of course. things. Of course. That's always the case. How do we want to treat this particular thing? But get off of Manti Teo. Yeah. Stop it. Every time I hear about the heat or even the Blackhawk streak to start the season for hockey, like I wish there could just even be one, even if it's just on the screen, a mention of Penn State rattling off a yeah. bazillion wins and then Carrie Misty. I meant to look it up over the weekend, didn't have time, but I wanted to see if Carrie Misty lost a game in any of the matches that they played. In that streak. Oh, there's some streak of where they didn't even lose a set. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I don't know what the word set means, but yes. <laughs> no, and okay, if you're at 23, you're getting pretty good. Well, look, it's, it's, and compared, it's not to, a, compared to the record. But, but it's not an easy thing to do in the NBA, no doubt. The problem is it started at about 11. Oh, the hype start started about, at 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Less, basically, a third of the record is where the hype started. Thanks, Jay. Jay's crushing you on the chat board about using the word set. I don't know. Can Miami break the record? Do I They care? can. Yeah, of course they yeah. can. They're Do, good enough, too. I don't know what their schedule is. There's not that many. I think the Clippers have like 16 games left in the season total. You know, could they? Could Miami run the table? Sure, they could. I need to look at their schedule, but they're good enough, too. 4-0. Or is it, is it best three or five again now? Or is it is seven, seven games? NBA seven. No. Always seven? No, thank you. They're all rounds. Are. So 4-0, 4-0, Oh, run the table in the playoffs? That I don't know. They could run the table for the rest of the season. That's amazing what they're doing. But do they want to? They're going to get to the point where they've locked up. I think LeBron has said, don't sit me. I think that, well, I, I think you always get to that argument too. Like, I'm in the groove. I'm feeling it. Do you want to sit him? To rest them, or do you want them to keep staying in that groove? I think you rest them between. Don't you know, shoot around, whatever. Oh, practice, yeah, you cut back just on come practice. in and 
shoot around. Practice. 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 Playoffs. Yeah. I just want, like anything, we want volleyball to be, because what Carrie Misty did is unbelievable. And I don't think it's going to be done again, especially the way that beach is now. It's not going to be done again. No. No, I don't I don't think you'll see anyone come close. It's not only it's not only 103 in a row, but they have three gold medals. And it's not like you get a gold medal every year. They're undefeated There's, in Olympic play, as I believe, right? Yes. They lost their first set this year. This past Yes, past year. year. Yep. In the Olympics, first set, by the way. Interesting. Yeah. What's Daddy looking up right now? I'm just looking up the the number of wins in a row. Carrie Misty? Yeah. You have to go through like eight databases to get to it? According to Wikipedia, the know-it-all of everything, Misty has 112 individual championship wins. It's a lot. It's a lot. I always go back to the stat that ESPN, or I think we threw out one time, like Tiger Woods won before he got beat with a golf club. Um had won like 20-some-odd percent of all the tournaments he entered. And Karen Misty had won like 70-some percent. Right. And uh, I, don't expect, I don't expect ESPN to quote volleyball. But no, but that's gnarly. They occasionally do, and maybe I've just missed it on SportsCenter, put in where does this fit in the win streak. And I've seen PSU end up in there before. Yep. Mostly with college athletics. When somebody goes on a gnarly winning streak in college, they will, in fact, throw in Penn State. Uh, also, I think UConn women's basketball yeah. makes it in there. I don't know if they if they eclipse Penn State or not. And I think that was maybe one issue I had on the show before is that they weren't even close to where – because I think it was like 50 or something. They weren't even close yeah, to, not even to volleyball. But, yeah, they were making a big deal of it like it was the second coming on uh, on ESPN when UConn basketball won 50. And I understand you don't cover it, but let put, put in a little perspective here that a college team in a sport that's as unpredictable as basketball – that six women indoor volleyball, they won 109. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. You think that could be done again? No. That kind of run? No, because I think what happened for Penn State is they hit the right amount of talent at the right time, and I think you see the talent spreading out further and further in women's volleyball because of the availability of scholarships, because of the rise of some of the middle teams. So I, I don't I don't think you're going to see a team like Penn State put together enough talent to do it. And then even if you have the talent, it just takes luck at times. Oh, for sure. The ball just has to bounce your way. Correct. But 100 matches, it's no way. No way. I wonder what that pressure is like when you get to that point where it's like you hit 100 or even before 100, like the pressure of, like you start thinking to yourself, like we have to win this. If we don't, like if you lose, you're dominant, you're the best team ever. And then you lose, like is that more dramatic losing when you're having that streak going or when you're mid-season and you're like 12-2? and two? I don't think, I think at some point it just goes away and becomes an expectation that you're just, that's the way you play. Gotcha. Uh, I'm looking at the number here. I think it is 109. That's what we're getting on the... Uh, there it is. Stanford Cardinal ends Penn State's volleyball streak at 109. Especially with teams like the Pac-12 teams. There's, there's just no way in your own conference that you're going to be able to dominate your conference that way. 
I mean, Penn State did it. I, I just don't. I think the game is getting better and better. I think the talent is getting better and spreading out. Well, I don't and, see it happening again. And on the women's side, too, with sand now, you're going to lose some talent indoor as well. There it is. The, the Miami men's tennis program had a, the only longer streak, winning 137 straight matches from 57 to 1964. <sighs> That's the record. Yeah, what was the number? 137. That's a lot. Yeah. And if you're the team that ends that streak, do you just like, I don't care how old you are, you're just popping bubbly? Oh, you're excited. Yeah. 12-year-old kids just popping bubbly. Oh, interesting. The Cardinal also were the last team to beat Penn State, winning a five-set match in 2007. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh, 2007 to 2010. The Cardinal bookends. I didn't realize the Cardinal was a bookend of that. Good job by them. Eh, Russ Rose. Eh. Tonight they played a lot better than we did. That was back in 2010. So that was September 11th, 2010. Happens. It happens. Can't win them all, Kevin. Just like we can. If you did, you'd be doing a good job. You, you would be doing a good job. <laughs> What else? You were at the Pac-12 basketball tournament all week. It was. Vegas left Tuesday. Got back Sunday morning right from the plane to Staples Center for the Clippers game because I didn't get enough basketball in. Right. That's how I roll, Kevin. It was nice. It was the first year the Pac-12 was um, in Vegas at the MGM Grand. They did it really good. I think uh, everybody at the Pac-12 was happy. The MGM was happy. I was happy because it basically takes up my whole days anyway, so being in Vegas... I could just go right from the arena right to my room. Oh, that's nice. I'm not saying I did exactly that. But I'm just saying that that option was there. I did do that because my backpack that I carry with my DJ equipment weighs more than my carry-on bag, so I have to go put it down. Does it weigh more <laughs> than you? Are you like an ant? You carry more than you can and you weigh? Oh, Kevin. Ten times your own weight? Subtle shots. If I could carry ten times <laughs> my own weight, I'd be making a lot more money. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> You'd be throwing kegs over a, a yeah. wall. Yeah. I'd be at some freak show somewhere doing something. <laughs> <laughs> but it, when everybody asked, like, oh, was the Pac-12 at the Thomas and Mack Center? No, it was inside the MGM Grand. About a 9,000-person stadium they had in there. Nice. Yeah, looked good. Pac-12 fans came out and represented. Um, apparently, Arizona travels well because they dominated. There are red shirts everywhere. Nice. Everywhere. Who's the best traveling team in volleyball? Collegiately, you think? It's an interesting question. Might be a good one for the chat board. Keep going on your story. Penn State's got to be up there, right? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think Women so. Women travel? I don't think so. Nebraska. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Wisconsin? Board. I think Nebraska's a good call. Chat board can talk about that. Um, but yeah, the uh, they did a good job. I think, I don't know how many year deal the Pac-12 signed with the MGM. Because um, they had signed a multi-year deal with Staples Center when they did it there. So I suspect they'll be going back a lot. And if you didn't make it this year and you're a big Pac-12 basketball fan, I would highly suggest it. Cool. And it's a, it's a good event for me. I mean, the bands, obviously the college bands battle it out. So I'm just there kind of like as backup and making sure that there's no dead space and all that and for the award ceremonies. And I get to watch a lot of basketball. You don't want dead space, kind of like this show. Correct, but... There's just two of us today because everybody else bailed, so I'm going to go for like 30 seconds of just silence for no reason at all whatsoever. I'm fine with that. I'm on, I am on board. We could quickly do the beach update. Everybody ready? 
Here it comes. <laughs> Beach update is. There you go. That was it. That's ah. your beach update. There's your beach update. Nothing to update. No news. I get text messages all the time. Have you heard about dates yet? Sure. I've heard a lot of dates. But until it's official, why? why you can't plan on anything. So don't. It is a sad situation for that sport and those athletes. Yeah. Manhattan Beach is going to happen August 23rd through the 25th, I believe. IMG is putting on that event. Well, they're contractually obligated to put on that. It's a city event. Correct. That is not their own their own deal. And the NVL has dates up. TheNVL.com. And then that's that's all you got right now. FIVB is up. Still not 100% convinced that they're actually going to come to the United States, even though it's on the official... Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced either. Uh, and not just I'm us. I'm not 100% concerned. convinced that that schedule is 100% either. It wasn't last year. No. People remember they canceled uh, three or four events last year. I'm worried about the U.S. one just because of timing, because they, they're on a compressed time schedule again to, to try and get it going. Yeah. Matt Garhoff made a good point. We might have to start sharing the CBVA schedule. <laughs> That would be the California Beach Volleyball Association schedule. Yeah, the amateur yes. A, B, C, AA, AAA level events. Well, you know that those are actually going to happen. I think they've already had some. They have. I know some Tour, people have played. Tour is off and running. So that one guaranteed. So there you go. There's your beach chairs and shark watches again. This is the best of the beach issue of the Easy Reader local paper here in the beach area. It looks good. Of Los like Angeles. It's a great Lofty picture. Lofty cover and stuff. Yeah, but there's no article. I'm just looking. has Phil and Todd on the cover, and that's it? I mean, Phil and Rosie? Phil and Rosie. By the way, from the way you're holding that magazine right now, Rosie could kind of look like Matt Olson. See it with the haircut? Sure. Their body style is somewhat the same? Sure. It's not Matt Olson, though. This is not team bench press, these guys. It's team squat press. You ever seen Rosie's legs? It's it's team whippy arm is what it is. <laughs> it's two guys. You guys can hit the ball. The buddy of mine saw them practicing recently. Yeah. And I was like, oh, how'd they look? He's like, oh, they look good. He's like, they were both doing things that shouldn't be done on a volleyball court. It's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be a great team to watch on FIVB. And you're going to have to... And when you say fun to watch, you mean for the people that go internationally. Right. When you when you spend all of your miles and half of your salary to fly over to an FIVB event in Stravanger, Norway or something. Oh, killer whales. Good. That's all you got in there? Smackfest. We got Smackfest. Smackfest stays in Hermosa Beach. July 27th, co-ed Smackfest. It's a good one. There you go. The event application has been approved by Hermosa Beach. With a participant cap of 600, a maximum of 33 volleyball courts. It's down from 37 last year. There was talk about Bill Sigler's Smackfest becoming the new six-man. And he's quoted here, we're definitely not trying to be like Six Man. I've been down there, and there's 50,000 people. The most we've ever had has been around 2,000. It's a lot. People do get dressed up and like to cut loose and have fun, but most people who play are in their 30s and 40s and 50s. Which is fine. But if you're taking the party away from Manhattan Beach, and Bill Sigler's, if you've ever been there, it's it's a fun event. What else you could compare it to? Similar to the six men. Even though you're not playing six on six. Yeah, but you don't have 50,000 people. It's true. 
Apparently the city doesn't want 50,000 people. Manhattan Beach residents don't. Of course, they'll find themselves without city services. They keep trying to run things out of town. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. Still can't find the article. No. How are they on the cover? Not There's no article about them. I don't know. I'm going through this thing page by page. This is exciting radio. Did your kids rip it out? No. Post a photo of uh, Phil and... Uh, I didn't check the bottom of the hamster cage, but... Phil and Rosie on their, on their wall? Phil and Rosie are in the bottom of the hamster cage getting pooped on right now. <laughs> your kids really have a hamster? No. no. At school. Oh, okay. They were killing me for hamsters for a while, and lizards, too. They wanted, like, lizard cages and snakes and... I wanted a ferret growing up. My Ooh, mom, ferret. They're my mom, illegal. My mom kiboshed that because she said it looked like a big rat. It is a big rat. But it's a ferret. Well, yeah, true. It's not. <laughs> oh, here's Brooke Williamson. Hudson House. Top Chef fame. Nice. Top Chef, of course, attached to volleyball via? I have no idea. Chris Jacobson. CJ. Still have no idea. What? Do you watch Top Chef? No. Oh, jeez. Those out there that watch Top Chef know that Chris Jacobson is on there. CJ, tall guy, 6'9", played at Pepperdine, spent some time on the national team. Personal chef and uh, Top Chef contestant. Multiple time Top Chef guy. Does he know me? No. So then there he, you go. he will if you end up here for the party in which he cooks here at my house. But well, I haven't got that invitation yet, Kevin. Haven't sent him out. No. no. You're on the list. Geeter's off. Reed's off. Yeah, Dustin is in the in between because he's not an official cast member. Yeah, Dustin, I want to invite just because I know he needs a meal. Yeah, yeah. I noticed I didn't get a shake today. When it's a Dustin's, pity, when pity Dustin's here, he gets a new couch, he gets a shake, he gets VIP parking pass in the garage. Yeah, from what I understand. Well, I show up and I get none of that. I know you got it handled. Dustin's struggling a little bit. We got to pick him up. <laughs> you know, you don't need the help. Dustin has been on vacation. He was like in Indy over the weekend. He was in Indianapolis too. I think so. He was? Yeah. How come he didn't come to the race? That's where I was. I don't think he was there for the race. <sighs> are you bitter that Dustin and I are going to see a NASCAR event this weekend? And very. You're, and you're not? Very. I'm not going to lie here. I'm I'm upset that I will not be at the NASCAR race. And are you more upset because we're going without you or that currently Dustin and I know nothing about NASCAR and we're going to the event? I think because you're going without me. You guys can go and not know anything about it. I'm just I'm mad I'm not there to, A, showcase my knowledge. <laughs> And and B, you know, cheer on Paul Menard. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go buy a jersey. Do they sell jerseys? They don't have jerseys. No. You have to buy a fire suit. If you show up in a fire suit, that would be epic. What if I show up in, like, the pit crew outfit and I'm, like, changing? That's what it is, the fire suit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that and a helmet. I, I want you to be changing tires. If I, I Just so you know, when I have a helmet on, I look like I was in the movie Spaceballs. <laughs> Your dark helmet? Because it is like the helmets, regardless what size I put on my head, it just make it looks awkward on me. It's huge. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be fun, man! Out there at Fontana, I wish I could be there. Oh, uh, where is Fontana, Kevin? Is it east? Take the ninety-one east. Okay, that's what I thought. You'll end up in Fontana. Awesome. I've been out to uh, Auto Club Speedway a few times for races. I'm going to. I will be doing research this week, so I am somewhat knowledgeable when I get there. Okay, but Jimmy. obviously, I will be rooting for the Menards. Jimmy Johnson, obviously. Maybe heard his name. Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. Heard him. Okay. Kyle Busch. Kyle Singler. I don't know if Kyle's in. Kyle, Kyle Singler or is that a basketball guy? Singler's a basketball guy. My bad. Yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't followed NASCAR that much early in the year here. Danica Patrick. Yep. You might know that name. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Okay. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Who's the new guy? That uh, Keselowski. Brad Keselowski. 
Chad Board's not happy. Chad Board says apparently the cars turn left. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They only turn right a few times. That's on road courses, one of which being Sonoma, the NorCal. So that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be fun. It's, it's not as much fun as an oval, though. You think like, okay, the racing, there'd be more racing, there'd be this, there'd be that. But the problem with a road course is you can't see the whole thing. It's kind of like going to a volleyball tournament like the six-man, and you have on the side by the pier the number one and number two teams. Mm -hmm. Then you have way out eight or ten courts down the number three and number four teams. But you can't watch both. Oh, gotcha. Because you're too far away. Gotcha. Right? And the road course is that way. When you have an oval, you're there. You can see them. You can see everything that's happening from all four turns. Nice. Or three if it's tri-oval. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Now, you guys are going to have fun. Take some ear protection. I'm not kidding. I have custom-made earplugs. Yeah, I would take those and maybe hook Dustin up with like a pair from Home Depot or something. I like how I have to provide everybody headphones, ear protection. You're a sound guy. No, I'm not. I'm a DJ. Oh, those are right. two different things. That's buddy. Right. You're, it's very similar to being uh, a rider or a driver. You're not the mechanic. Riders and drivers have no idea how to fix the machines that they ride. No, why would you? Because you are involved with the thing constantly. You should pick up some knowledge about how to fix it. They could probably change the oil. Yeah, the guys I've met, not even that. <laughs> Similar to you. You can't hook it up, but you can make it sound good. My talent lies in the mixing of the music, Kevin. I can tell you if the sound sounds good. Right. Right. People go to school to be sound engineers. Just because I wear headphones doesn't mean I know how to operate the soundboard. Like you thought I would this morning. Right. You showed up. I expected everything to work. Why don't you talk to your broadcast people about how they do it? They don't know how to do it either. Our live stream guy, we, we screw up stuff all the time on the live stream. I don't know what night it was I got back to my hotel room, but I turned on and the Pac-12 network was on. I think this was Saturday night. Okay. And they were replaying the volleyball match. Okay. Which one? I don't remember. But you were on it with an older gentleman. Skates. Al Skates. You may have heard of him. Okay. 19 national championships. Yes. No, uh, yes, I know who he is. <laughs> we, we can talk about it off air. What happened to your story? Uh, my mom always said if I don't have anything nice to say, uh -oh. I shouldn't say it. Well, let's take a break so I can Out hear loud. it, and then we'll bring it back. I'll I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Okay. Let's take a break here on the Net Live. We'll be right back. Kathy hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Before Wait, we go, what? I just want the chat board to know I do know who Al Skates is. I just didn't realize he was the one doing the broadcast with you. <sighs> okay. Let's just get that straight. I didn't say long Check. enough to hear who you were doing it with. Okay. And they didn't show you guys on TV. You didn't keep, no, we don't show us at all. Yeah, so I didn't know who you were. Just in the open. Yes. Maybe in the close, but mostly in the open. Yeah, so let's just clarify that, everybody. I'm good. It's it's kind of like this easy reader. You put Phil and Rosie on the front and nothing inside. Perfect. The Net Live will be right back. Kathy DeBoer still coming on about sand volleyball in the ABCA and also ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. The men getting close here. Just about a month, a little over a month remaining in the season, maybe a month and a half. We're back. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hippie. Get up. First shot, come strut walking. A little bit of humble, a little bit of caution. Somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby for the game. Nope, nope, y'all can't copy. Yeah, glad. Moonwalking in this year. It's our party. But the posse's been on Broadway. And we did it all. They clone music. I stick my skin and put my bones into everything I record to it. And yeah, I'm on. Let that stage light go and shine on down. Got that Bob Barker suit game and plinko with my style. Money. Stay on my craft and stick around. 
I will give you credit. You did know who this was. You didn't realize that he was white. Until you guys showed me a video two weeks ago no. of him at the Tiny Desk concert at NPR. Yeah, on KCRW. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that you guys brought up NPR, because I always get made fun of for bringing up NPR. I'm a big NPR listener. Going to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, not this week, next week. You know what Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is? No. It's the NPR news quiz. It's a whole show based around news quiz, uh, the news of the of the week. Interesting. They have people like Paula Poundstone on there and... Uh, Alonzo Bolden, co- comedians, but also other people that come on and, and they talk about the news in a game show type format, which is a lot of fun. 
So we're going to it at the the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago. Do they spend next week in Chicago with my family? Two things. One, I think your cat just used the litter box. Could be. Or you did. I'm yeah. just assuming yeah. the cat. <laughs> Two, the show you're going to, they broadcast on. They broadcast it as well, or it's just. Yeah, no, it's on stage, and then it's broadcast each week on radio on NPR. Gotcha. They actually come out here. They were at Nokia uh, two months ago, something like that. My mom went. Oh, nice. I was doing a broadcast. Couldn't go that night. Well, some of it's broadcast from Santa Monica Community College out here. Well, that's left, right, and center. Yep. Out there. I think KCRW, their whole thing is out there at at, uh, Santa Monica Community College. Because there's there's two NPR stations here. There's KPCC and KCRW. LA is big enough to support two. I think I, those who saw my tweet a few weeks ago, I don't know if it was on the Net Live page or what, I, I got in the rented Toyota Prius yeah. in San Francisco. NPR was already on. Nice. When I turned on the car. Nice. Like, perfect. Coincidence? <laughs> not so much. I think not. No, you and I were chatting off air about being the veteran guy at yeah. something. And that has been happening for me broadcast wise in those broadcasts for Pac 12. And with Al Skates, with Kevin Wong on the men's side, I've been doing those matches. And both of those guys are new to the broadcasting game relative to me. And even though I've only been doing the play-by-play for about a year on a regular basis, those guys have been doing analyst work for Al, in Al's case, a few months. Yeah. And in Kevin's case, about a year and a half, I think. He gets a lot of reps out there in Hawaii. But it's funny to be the old guy. And I was saying in, in volleyball, I can tell you the moment I became the old guy during my volleyball career is in 2004, springtime, had come back early from my professional season. Lots of other guys weren't back. There were some younger guys there playing. And I was practicing. Chris Seifert was my setter. And I played a ball inside. I was in the left front, played a ball on the inside like a tip, transitioned out, and hit a go. At and least you sided out. At least uh, you scored. I crushed it. Obviously. Obviously. And then... Cypher goes, look at the old man go. <laughs> oh, well, that was the moment. I guess so. 30, the old man. 30. 30. You think 30's old when you're in that world, and then you get out in the real world. And you're like, oh, it's not that bad. I do not feel old at 30. I don't feel old now. How old are you now? I'll be 36 in June. Yeah, I'll be 39 this year. That's old, Kevin. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Believe me, my knees are aware that that's old. Kathy DeBoer, coming on here shortly. We'll be discussing sand of volleyball. Is that all? Yeah, we're not. We're not. <laughs> just uh, just. There's just only, let our listeners know. There's only one question. We're not going down that road with Kathy every time we have her on here. There's only one question, and that is: Has the percentage chance for collegiate men's sand changed? Gotcha. Because I right now about a two percent chance. I guess I won't say zero. Anything's possible, but I think two percent is about right. You don't think they can colleges can sustain a men's program? They can. They'll have the facility now. They will it's just scholarship. Have the balls. It's number of athletes. It's not even scholarships, it's number of athletes. As soon as you add another sport where male athletes participate, mm-hmm. it throws off your your ratio. No, yeah. That's the problem. It has nothing to do with scholarship money or support or budget. or it, It's not a monetary issue. It is strictly a numbers issue. And that's kind of one of the big areas where I struggle with the whole thing. It's it's not even – it's not a dollars thing when it comes down to our level. Yeah, and you're yeah, at yeah. Basketball is a different discussion. But when you're talking about adding a volleyball team, whether it's an indoor men's team 
or an outdoor men's team to a school that already has women's indoor or women's outdoor because you already own everything. The cost of balls and the cost of ball carts or whatever is negligible, mm-hmm. right? The cost of travel is pretty negligible. It might be a hundred grand or something. It's not much. You could probably fundraise it, or you could have the kids pay some amount. It's not really that big a part of the discussion. The biggest part of the discussion is that you now have more male varsity athletes participating in a sport, and you simply cannot have that. And we've gotten into that discussion before, where we're now limiting the participation of men in sport in college. They're, we're limiting their level of participation on based on the interest. Of women. Gotcha. That's where I'm running into problems. And so we're not getting into that with Kathy. No. No, no. No, but I I just want to know what, if any, discussion has gone on about men's sand. Yeah. That's it. We don't need to delve off and jump off that into the deep end of that again. We do that enough here on this show. But to take the emotion out of it, that's kind of where it's at. Speaking of emotion in an issue, I got a text Yesterday. No, it was over the weekend, and I didn't respond till yesterday. Ojan was all over me because I hadn't oh, responded. Yes. Ojan, I have a job. I was thinking about motorcycles all weekend because I get paid to do that. Um, so Ojan sends me an email with the rule change for FIVB Beach. I'm going to pull it up here. Well, she's early. We have eight minutes, no? That's who it is? Let me find it here. Here it is. All right, the new rule, 11.3.1. Contact with the net by a player is not a fault unless it interferes with the play. This is sand. Correct. 11.3.2, well, actually, beach. It's called beach for FIVB. Players may touch the post ropes, and or any other object outside the antenna, including the net itself, provided that it does not interfere with the play. When the ball is driven into the net, causing it to touch an opponent, no fault is committed. I thought that was already, like, yeah, I thought that rule was already there. If the ball hits the net into me, that's not my fault. Yeah, and indoor-wise, this has been basically called, you can touch the net however you want. You can't touch the top. But yeah. this, the way Ojan was reading, is that you couldn't touch the net at all. Now, we'll have to do a little more investigation as to whether you can touch the net all you want. But my my question to him was, what advantage are you gaining by touching the net? And he said, well, I can get a lot further over if I touch the net. I said, yeah, but that interferes with the play. Yeah. If you grab the net with your left hand, pull it down and reach over with both hands then, or even just one hand. Yeah, like if I can do a chin-up on the net. Right. Right. I think that interferes with the play. But too many times in volleyball, you have a player blocked, there's an amazing dig, or yeah. something happens, some amazing play happens, and the referees blow the whistle and kill the action. Yeah. Because somebody kicked the tape with their forearm. And everybody, except for that person that nicked the tape, has no idea what just happened. Right, and that person's arguing that they didn't touch the tape, so yeah. it's mass confusion. Yeah. And if you really stop, if you take the emotion out of it, and, and take the the emotion of... Later, does football play with a fundamental rule to the sport this way? Do they play with the rules like this? I asked, well, why is it fundamental? So what? I mean, so what? Think about the – get out of the emotion of 
Well, you shouldn't be able to touch tennis volleyball. Blah, 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 blah. Old school volleyball Facebook page. That's mm-hmm. you guys. Mm-hmm. Get out of that and think about the actual effect of this on the game. It will extend rallies. There's really no advantage to be gained from really being in the net. Yeah, I can't think of like a time like I would grab unless I grab it from the bottom so it springs up when the person's trying to hit it. That makes the net higher. Then, Inter- yeah, interfering with play. Exactly. How awesome would that be? It takes away one of the things that I've seen done in a match successfully. Diago setter for Cuba. The other team goes to block. Diago does this to the to the net to the bottom. The referee's eyes are all on the action, not seeing Diago. They call a net. Seen it in a North Sega tournament. Awesome. Yeah. Except if you're the team getting called for a net when nobody touched it because the Cuban setter is over there yanking on it. Good for him. I mean, I would be enraged if I was the other team, but I think that's not, I think that's awesome. <laughs> but really, what, what's the effect? Yeah. What's the net? What's the net effect? Yeah. What's the net, what's effect? The net effect? That should be a shirt. I don't. I don't think there's much. I think we're extending rallies. I think we're keeping the game from stopping. And, and newsflash, folks, volleyball stops too much. Too much. Well, it's that's boring. Why, that's why they went to the short court to extend play for longer rallies. It's boring when the ball's not in the air. I don't want to watch somebody strut around and play to the crowd. It's not WWE. Or F. Or F. There are no pandas involved. I did see one time at a junior tournament in Vegas, this girl got her foot stuck in the net. Jason Ring did that against BYU in 1997 in the playoffs. And it was opposite of the play. I don't know how you get your foot stuck in the net, by the way. Yeah, if you're Jason Ring, you're Coco the monkey, and I don't know how that happens. But but when you jump, you're usually jumping at the net, so your feet are behind you. I don't care how high you're jumping. But this girl rips her foot out of the net. The net is bouncing up and down, and no call, which I get because it didn't interfere with any of the rally. But if the net's bouncing up and down, that's an issue. Oh, John, the net violation is a safe rule, safety rule. Penetration is a huge advantage. So if you remove the micro touch, the tension between great blocking technique can cost a point. I disagree because if no, you're micro touching, you're not. You're micro touching. Who cares? If you if you put your arms up there and blast them into the net, you're going to get called. You can't hang on top of the net no matter the rule. And you're not going to go up and be like, oh, let me just barely touch the net because how is that going to give you an advantage? You're not getting any advantage. You're not getting anything from touching the net, I think. I think this is a purist issue. It's a good discussion, though. I like it. I mean, I like, too, like, if I come down from a block and I turn and not proper form and I barely touch the bottom of the net with my one of my hands that I'm turning to go get the ball, right. and then it plays over. Net's not moving at all whatsoever. I just right. forgot to cut my fingernails that day, and it scrapes the bottom of the net. Play over. Why are the antennas out of bounds? Foul pole in baseball is inbound. Oh, if it hits it? Mm-hmm. Because it will change the trajectory of the ball? How many times can you hit a ball off the antenna and and really get, be successful with it? It's not that it's something that you play, but if, let's say I dig a ball and it goes to the top of the net and hits the antenna and rolls back in. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit bitter about that. Yeah, but it's the same for both teams. If you can dig the ball into the antenna... The antenna happens to save you. I'm saying it never happens. Like, I'm with you, but this goes once, this goes know. to the uh, the net rule on the serve too, and one that just trickles over. Yes, it happens for both teams. Sure, and I, I haven't minded that rule. Either. I don't I don't mind that one either. But the antenna, I look at it more as a I like when I go to the beach and guys don't want to play with the antenna. I was like, why? So I can set you outside the pole and you can hit hard angle from out there. How am I supposed to defend that? Well, I, th- I still think you need the antenna as a a demarcation line. 
But I don't think if the ball ticks the antenna that it should be out. Interesting. Because it's not like the antenna's big. You know, it's not like you can bank it off the antenna. True. Except but, in short court. But the antenna's like an invisible line that's it's out of bounds. Just like the net is from out, outside the antenna, the net there is out of bounds. Oh, John's claiming this is a safety issue. Tell me how this is a safety issue. I don't think... Safety who? Like I'm going to poke your eye out because I can reach a little bit further over the net? I don't know. I'm not sure. I like that he's texting you during the show because that means he's listening. Right. Surprised he hasn't called in. Or no, maybe... That might be him. 669? 619 or 859? 619, maybe. Should we try it? What if it's Kathy and you don't give her a good intro? Well, hold on. Kathy's, Kathy's calling from Kentucky. I don't know those area codes. What, what are the area codes, sir? This is a little insight into how the show works. <laughs> I think, what's Kentucky? Five something? Nice. You're, why are you asking me? What are the two area codes you got over there, buddy? 859. Yeah, Ojan just said 619 is Ojan. Okay. I know that. Well, he's, then he's here. from San Diego. Well, then here. He's on. And you're good. All right, Ojan. Make it quick because we have Kathy DeBoer here in about two minutes. Okay. Um,. I like the antenna rule where if you hit it inside the uprights, it's good. That would be a neat, um, neat new wrinkle to the rule evolution. Um, I still think if people hit the ball and then they land in the net, you're getting unsafe contact. Agreed. And okay. So, yeah. I mean, you, you make the net poison so people will manage their close place to the net. It, it might not be blocking. That's the hazard. But attacking where you have to fall on the net, I mean, you chill that kind of aggression level because people get hurt and taken out. But don't you think that any of that stuff that would happen would, quote, interfere with play? Because if you touch they the other player, it's it based on those new rules. They wouldn't no, if, stop if it. it interferes. If it interferes with play. Yeah, so but you, can... you only want to penalize people when they actually get hurt. Well, you know, Letting people like... land in the net. Yeah. And saying, okay, it didn't hit anybody, so we're not going to call it, is, is an issue. And you think about all, why do we have fouls in basketball? There's stoppages in plays there. And I know basketball is way more continuous than volleyball, but you want to manage some of the aggression level there. And that's yeah, why the rule there's, existed. There's already a bunch of contact. That's what I'm saying, is you can have contact between players or between the player and the net, that doesn't exceed that aggression. And that in basketball, you have that all the time, contact that does not exceed the aggression level. And then when the aggression level is exceeded, then a penalty is called, rather than the zero-sum argument of you can't even touch the guy. What if you couldn't touch yeah, the guy but, on defense? But if, if you're going to manage injuries as a result of aggression, aggressive play, you can't just control the ones that result in injuries. The rules imposed to, to create a safe boundary where attackers okay. can run at blockers. Interesting point. Well, agree, but I think that that's the, the, the way it's set up it, to interfere with play. You can interfere with play a whole bunch before you're actually injuring people. I think you're giving me the, the extreme example when I think the interferes with play. Let's say one out of ten nets result in contact. It, what is an exceptional margin of contact? In that, okay. Well, with attack blockers are trying to get over the net. They're looking at the ball and then they're looking at the attacker above the net. They're not thinking about, hey, I need to be careful about him coming under. And attackers are trying to be aggressive because it's 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 a it's a skill of aggression. But so we already have under violations. We already have under violations where if you touch the other player, interfere with the other player, you get called. Yeah, and they're saying, I mean, that's probably not a great rule either. Right? Okay. Hey, we got to we got to get to Kathy because it's eleven. But I, okay. I wanted to, 
you said, what if one out of 10 results in an injury? Right. But I agree with you there. You don't want the injuries. But I think that the way the rule, the way I'm reading the rule, the way I've seen it evolve indoors is that you're going to get calls five out of 10 times rather than 10 out of 10 times or six out of 10 times. And I like the other four opportunities to play on versus worrying about the single contact at the bottom. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. All right. We should go further with this yeah, just when we're not topic. jammed up against. I didn't yeah. think about the aggression factor. Yeah, I like I like I like where you're going with this. We'll, we will have to talk about it perhaps in two weeks. Talk to you. See you. Cool. Thanks, Ojan. All right. Yeah, I think this is this is worth discussion because we're talking about evolution of the game, and yeah, and yeah I, I agree with him that there is potential for injury with contact. But again, if one is going to result in injury, one out of ten, you don't you don't leave it for all those other nine not to be called. Yeah. I think you're, at this point, you're calling 10 out of 10. And if you're charging... And you should call 5 out of 10. And if he's saying you're charging the net, that's going to interfere with the game. Correct. And you can't go under and really make contact with somebody underneath affecting them to get to the ball. Right. That's going to be called, regardless whether the net rule is there or not, that's going to be called, right? Ask Gabe Gardner. Yes, it will be called. Infamous guy under the net all the time. I would fight somebody if they were under the net. People were really unhappy with the goose in practice. Because the goose is under constantly. It's one thing if it's your opponent when in a match, teammate. which you don't want to see anyway. But yeah. Especially when it's your own teammate, your own situation. Like, dude, stay on your own side. Now I know how my foot would get caught in the net because I would be swinging it forward as I go up. <laughs> to kick him out of the <laughs> yes. way. Yes. All right. I believe you have some, we have some business to do here. We do. Are you sure you're ready? Nope. But okay. we're going on anyway. I'm, I'm into it. In association with the AVCA, the Net Live has started to bring you the Coach's Corner, an opportunity to learn more about what it takes to run a program, to govern the sport of volleyball, to advance your coaching career. And this week, we're proud to bring in the director of the AVCA, Kathy DeBoer, who's been pushing hard for sand volleyball and been largely successful as the sand volleyball season gets underway for its second time. Double the number of teams participating this year. So welcome once again to the Net Live, Kathy DeBoer. Kathy. Hey, Kevin. How are you? We're great. Thanks for calling in and spending a little time with us. We know you're busy back there in Kentucky. Actually, I'm in Florida right now, but uh, not on vacation. Working down here. So I'm in the uh, Florida region offices of uh, USA Volleyball, visiting with them a little bit. was here with the uh, clinic, uh, the Art of Coaching folks uh, over at the University of Central Florida this weekend, and uh, so it's great. Okay, so the AVCA definitely with a wide reach into so many different parts of collegiate volleyball. We know that, and that keeps you plenty busy, but we have you on here to talk about sand volleyball in particular. And, and how about the growth that sand volleyball has seen? Is this the, the rate that you expected? Um, uh, yes and no. I mean, the, the yes part of it is that, that, um, I've, I've been accused of being a Pollyanna style optimist. And so I thought, Hey, this is going to go and it's just going to grow as unbelievably fast and, uh, and everything else and stuff. And so that part of it, um, you know, I, I was hopeful, um, when the when the more pragmatic uh, side of me kicked in, uh, and I thought, nah, yeah, maybe we'll pick up five or six programs a year for a while here, because that's kind of how other emerging sports have grown in the NCAA. And so for us to start with 15 programs in year one, 
you know, and and and, and now double that in year two. Um, it's just unbelievable. It's the fastest growing emerging sport that the NCAA has ever watched. I know you've definitely been accused of being other things besides just a Pollyanna style optimist. <laughs> yeah, many other things, but we don't have to go into them. <laughs> How about some of the new teams? Where are you seeing the most growth? I mean, one of the most surprising things to me last year was that the ASUN conference that our own Brandon Rosenthal participates in was one of the biggest supporters. Where have you seen the most growth for the second year? Yeah, interesting. Year one, there were 15 programs with 10 in the southeast and, and five in the west, counting Hawaii. So there were four in Southern California and Hawaii out in the west. Um, this year, the pattern has been almost the opposite. Uh, the growth has been in the West. Uh, there's a pod of seven schools in Northern California um, that includes uh, Cal and Santa Clara and Stanford and Pacific and Sac, uh, Sac State, um, what St. Mary's College of California. Uh, seven schools out there. Uh, that are that that have uh, are, are going to play against mostly against each other, um, and um, and have gotten started. And so uh, and then also uh, Grand Canyon, which is a Division two school this year, but is going to Division one next year. But they've added a program uh, out there in Arizona. Uh, um, Cal State Bakersfield uh, has added, and so this year we've actually seen more growth on the West. Uh, picked up a few programs in the southeast, uh, Georgia State, uh, Louisiana, Monroe, uh, Florida International, uh, but most of the growth has been in the west. And uh, then also the first school in the uh, Midwest, uh, typically what we call a colder weather climate uh, yeah. that has started is, uh, is uh, the University of Nebraska is playing this spring. Well, Nebraska would seem to make a ton of sense just from a standpoint of support and the availability of athletes, but the weather has to be an obstacle for a lot of those teams that are not located around the edge of the United States. Yeah, it's um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I say that, uh, you know, I, I talk all the time about this being a sport that, that, that Misty and Carrie and Todd and Phil created uh, because of all the exposure that they got for us uh, in the Olympic Games, and I think we learn. We, each Olympic Games, we learn some more. Uh, for instance, pre pre 2008, the NCAA actually named this sport sand volleyball, and they did that. Those of us in the in the sport are going, it's not sand volleyball, it's beach volleyball. And they're like, well, there's so many places around the country where there are where they're not around or near beaches, and we don't want people to think they can't have the sport, so we're going to name it by the surface instead of by the location, all right? Well, okay. Beijing's not on a beach. London's not on a beach. So now there are conversations at the NCAA, and, and again, the NCAA doesn't move quickly, so this will happen over time, but they're talking about, hey, why don't we just call it beach volleyball because it seems like that's what everybody refers to it as, and obviously with Beijing and London and, you know, schools in Atlanta and Birmingham and uh, Nebraska adding the sport, nobody thinks anymore that you have to be near a beach, uh, the other thing right. that that London, I think, uh, was a was, was such a great learning experience for all of us is you were out there and you know that there's a lot of times it was about fifty fifty five degrees. Uh, it was raining Rain. on certain yeah. days. Uh, you know, it was windy, cold, um, and you know, beach volleyball went on. And so I think I think we got a whole new perspective um, about gear that you can wear when it's cold. And so. 
um, I, I think, um, yes, you're not going to play uh, beach volleyball. Or you're not going to be outdoors in Nebraska um, when it's snowing. But I think you might be outdoors in Nebraska when it's 50 degrees because you just put on your cold weather gear and you get out there and play. You know because you've played the sport. This is It's a very physical sport. The coaches are going to freeze, but the athletes are going to be all right. Yeah, Beyond Yoga would be very excited about northern schools picking up the sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think there's going to be – I mean, my prediction, again, uh, at this point, uh, from what we've seen, is that in five years there will be over 100 schools uh, that will be playing the sport. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that this is the fastest-growing sport ever in the NCAA. That, that's exciting to see that kind of growth. What obstacles are uh, either coaches or indoor programs that want to start uh, a beach program or a sand program or, or anyone who's trying to support that inside of a school? What obstacles to growth are they encountering when they're going to the schools asking them to begin this particular sport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the the optic obstacles that we would uh, that, that we would expect one is hey we don't have any money <laughs> you know we don't we don't have any money for new programming uh, and so um, you know that's one of the things uh, and, and court coaches then therefore uh, are are being asked it's like well okay if, if I let you do this uh, will will you coach the team or will you have your assistant coach the team for a couple of years. Um, you know, for a period of time. Uh, so, in other words, we're not going to give you any money for new staffing. Um, um, scholarships. I mean, the the the, the scholarship issue. Uh, the only way to get players, uh, or or one of the ways to get players that are different players from the court game, and and eventually, we think the two player pools are going to be largely separate. I mean, we don't really think for very long that kids are going to play both sports. And we have evidence that both Florida State and USC, um, that, that that's happened after year one. Um, but, yeah, no, now you need new support staff. You, know, you need, you need uh, new scholarship money. Uh, uh, you need new travel money because you can, you know, there's 16 dates that you can play, and so you've got to be able to go places. And, yeah, so it, it really almost boils down to, you know, that five-letter word that we have all the time, money. Money, yeah, and about those athletes and the the choice to play one or the other or the mm-hmm. the need to specialize is that being pushed perhaps by the coaches of different programs? I've heard that maybe at USC that's a bit of a push for Mick Haley is to just stay with his team rather than the beach team, or if you want to play for beach, go play beach, but don't do both. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it depends uh, on on the the different programs as to where the push is coming. But the interesting thing at, at both USC and Florida State uh, last year, and, and these numbers aren't going to be exactly right, but they'll, they'll be they'll be close enough. Uh, last year, each of them had four or five kids that were sand only kids, you know, um, uh, and, and they had what ten to ten to twelve that were crossover kids from the court game. All right, and both of those schools, by the way, have invested in in, in coaching staff and have invested in facilities and have in, in invested in in some scholarship money. So this year, just in year two, for both of those programs, um, they had had uh, fourteen to sixteen kids that are sand only kids. Now, not all of them, most of them, not on scholarship and stuff, but I mean, fourteen to sixteen kids that were sand only kids, and they only have three or four crossovers coming from the court game. So. Um, it's hard, you know. I, I was just with John Dunning 
uh, this weekend uh, in, uh, who was one of the people doing this Art of Coaching uh, clinic uh, in Central Florida. And they're adding a program this year. And this year, they're using mostly crossover kids from their, from their court team. But, but he has said to me more than once, you can't play two sports at Stanford. You know, it's hard enough to, yeah. to play one. Um, so he said, you know, no, we're, we're adding a program with the intention uh, that, that, that we will, you know, be recruiting different kids. There, there may be what Nina Mathis tells me is that, Kathy, there's only to, always going to be three or four kids who are able and want to do both. But she said there won't be more than that. And I think that's probably right. Well, expecting those athletes to diverge from one another, how much does the professional mess that beach volleyball is right now affect the player's choice to participate in one or the other? How much of an effect do you think that has? Um, you know, you know as much about the international opportunities as anybody, and there still are way, way more opportunities to uh, to make some money, whether you make uh, whether you make what most people make, which is a little, <laughs> or what a few people make, which is a lot. Uh, there's still way, way more opportunities to do that um, post-college uh, in the court game uh, than there is in the beach game. I mean, there are certainly players who are, are, are making a nice chunk of change playing professional beach volleyball, but the numbers are, are just tr- way smaller. What USAV now has 250 or so uh, athletes that they sign transfer papers on that are playing in some semblance of a professional, maybe sometimes semi, but professional situation overseas. And on the FIVB tour, uh, there might be, what would you say, maybe 12 athletes, three pairs on each side, maybe a little deeper than that, maybe 20, uh, you know, five pairs on each side uh, that are actually making it, uh, making money playing uh, professionally. So, you know, the opportunities are still way higher on the uh, on the court side of the sport um, than they are on the beach side. But, you know, the beach game has a lot of appeal to, and it has appeal to, a, a I think, to kind of a different kind of kid, a kid that wants to be on the court all the time, a, a kid that wants it on them. Um, they, they don't want to be coming out. They, they want to be out there and they want to be uh, in the middle of it. I, I, I think we're I, I think it's going to be fun because I think we're going to pick up kids from other sports that have passed on volleyball because they just don't like how we're doing the substitution patterns and that kind of thing, but are now going to say, mm, "Okay, now I'm now I'm now I'm thinking I like this. I'll, I'll play beach." How about how about the facility costs? What's the pitch to a university when you're talking about a facility? Because on the indoor side, if you say, "Well, you need a gym," mm-hmm. having a gym mm-hmm. is is great because you, got it. you can right. use the gym and they can do a ten, twelve, fifty other things in that gym. What about the pitch of use for an outdoor beach setup? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really not a difficult pitch. And, and the reason for it is um, uh, uh, most colleges and universities, particularly the larger ones, but even among the, the, the mid-majors, and, is the athletics department facilities are off limits to everybody. You know, you, you you can't let people on your baseball field. You can't let people on your soccer field. You can't let people on your softball field. You got your gym locked up. Um, you got your practice facilities off limits. Uh, uh, with, with with building a 
uh, sand volleyball, uh, you know, a complex of sand volleyball courts, you know, three or five or six uh, sand volleyball courts. One is the cost if you already own the land. Uh, now, land can, you know, vary in cost a lot. But if you already right. own the land and you have a space for it uh, and that kind of thing, the cost of this as a facility is not high in comparison to the cost of building any other kind of facility. So compared to the cost of building a gym or a swimming pool or a soccer field or a baseball diamond, the cost of building really very, very nice sand volleyball courts, um, you know, is, is, is minimal. I mean, Florida State made a big investment in facilities and spent under $400,000, and they've got one of the nicest facilities in the country. Now, USC spent about $2 million, but they built right across from the Galen Center where they had to do a lot of construction to knock down a building and everything else beforehand, and they're building right in the middle of Los Angeles. The courts themselves didn't cost them that much, um, but the, the land and the space did. Um, is, is three courts enough? I've seen some facilities. Yeah, I think, Go ahead. I, I just I've seen some facilities with three courts. I know Florida State has more, but mm-hmm. is three enough? What's the minimum that you have to have to really run a, a team, a program, a tournament, a, a meet? Right. We're, yeah, we're saying three courts. Um, you know, build three if possible because now you can run a duel in ninety minutes. All right. And, you know, you start with your you start with two teams. Um, uh, uh, you know, and you use a third court for warm up of the other teams. Uh, the, the match takes between 35 and 45 minutes. The first one, then you put the other three on, uh, you know, with maybe a 10-minute yeah, warm-up between them. And so now in 90 minutes you can you can run a dual event, which is about how long people want to go to a sporting event, um, you know, 90 minutes to two hours. Uh, if you've got five courts like Florida State does, then, you know, you play everybody at the same time uh, for, you know, 35 to 45 minutes, take a 10-minute break, and then you play the second half. You play them again. You know, you just play a double header. So, um, you know, if you can build more than three courts, what what you have now is you have a place that's a destination for tournaments. Um, you know, uh, USA Volleyball just did a, a great event uh, down in Chula Vista this weekend uh, where – if you can have five teams playing at the same time, now every hour on the hour you can you can do a new matchup. And so they had five or six teams down there this weekend and uh, just played a ton of beach volleyball. Um, so um, the other thing that we tell folks, besides the fact that the courts are not, from a relative standpoint, that expensive, is they're indestructible. And so yeah. if you put them down, you know, you, you, you know, it's not like grass where you got to keep people out of it and you got to lock lock the facility off. You can use them for recreation. You can use them for um, you know dorm tournaments. Intramural. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, intramurals. Uh, you can use them for camps in the summertime. You can use them for adult sixes. Um, and the last thing that we tell people, and actually we got this idea from Nebraska, John Cook got the football coach on board to build a sand court at Nebraska probably six or seven years ago now because the trainer was all in with uh, sand as a rehab space for people that are out of injuries. And they need a low-impact, high-resistance space where they can start doing their sprinting and their movement drills uh, and that kind of thing. And so all of their athletes use it now. Uh, for some preseason conditioning for their baseball and softball players. So it's really such a multi-purpose facility, similar to what you described a gym. 
All right, I like the sounds of that. And I have to ask you before we let you go here, we could talk a lot longer for sure, but I have to ask you about the potential for men's. Earlier on, I said about 2%. Tell me it's better that oh, no, I think it's one day better. be men's collegiate. Yeah, no, I, I think it's better. Um, I, I think it's better than that um, because, again, it's a, it's a new thing, uh, and, and it, 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 once you have that space and once you have that facility uh, constructed, I mean, there's no reason that you, don't, that you don't go into a men's program because now your cost, one of your big costs, is out of it. And, you play, and I, I, you know, let's play men's uh, sand volleyball in the fall. We'll play the men in the fall. Women in the spring, just opposite what we do with the court game. Fantastic. So we're still going to have problems with money, and we're still going to have the issues of, you know, counters and those kinds of things. But if we can start men's volleyball in places where we can drive enrollment to schools and colleges and tuition-paying students, let's do it. Kathy DeBoer, thank you very much for spending time with us once again. We could spend an entire show with you probably on a variety of subjects, but we always enjoy hearing your perspective in this particular part on sand volleyball and the incredible growth. Thanks for the time. Enjoy Florida. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. You guys are doing a good job. We appreciate it very much and enjoy the partnership with you. Very good. Kathy DeBoer is the director of the AVCA American Volleyball Coaches Association. Thanks, Kathy. See you later. All right. DJ Roche, we got I want to. I want to talk about a few things Kathy has, but we need to delve off into uh, college volleyball weekly because I know we have our guys. We'll get back to a couple of topics here. There was some interesting stuff said by Kathy there. I'm encouraged. I didn't get a percentage, but I'm encouraged by her words anyway. Okay, let's get to the men because college men's volleyball is still going on for about another month and a half, maybe six weeks, till we get to Pauly Pavilion. And the championship this year. You will be there. Mike Sondheimer will be there. Jay Hasek is hoping that he will be there with his Penn State Nittany Lions, even though it's kind of an indoor kitty, not an outdoor kitty. But he's hoping to be there. And we appreciate their contribution every week to the College of Volleyball Weekly, brought to you by the AVCA. Welcome in, Mike and Jay. Hey, I'm Gentlemen. looking to be your sand correspondent in the future now, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All things volleyball coming from Mike Sondheimer. Hey, Sandy, I, I missed kind of a week of men's volleyball doing other things, but, boy, it looked to me when I saw UCLA last Sunday and the last few results I've seen from them, uh, this is your opportunity to just blow sunshine all over uh, UCLA volleyball, but it looked like they're starting to figure some things out. Well, John Sparrow and his staff is pretty amazing. I mean, they came back and they won in five at Northridge. They came back and won at five-two down at Long Beach, and they beat Stanford. And they're they're playing well. And he's got basically gained the max out of what's possible with his team. They're not the most talented team, but they're playing real, real well. And again, like I've said all along, though, in the MPSF, when that tournament hits, eight can beat one, and seven can beat two, and it's going to be a battle all the way through. And it's around the country. I mean, I got to look at Loyola Chicago beating Lewis at Lewis, and then you look at you know other teams. Ohio State's playing well in the Midwest. Then you go at the East. Penn State isn't going to have a walkthrough. I mean, Harvard's Harvard's and Princeton and George Mason and those kind of teams. Um, Penn State should win, but they're going to give them a battle out there. Jay, can the smart kids figure you out? <laughs> I, I think anybody can figure anybody out. It doesn't have to be a smart kid, and we're you know, it's just it's one of those years. Everybody at some point is beating everybody else. All right, now you guys lost to Ohio State, and we know that Ohio State, uh, national champion just a couple of years ago, has been a threat. Tell me about that match. You guys went down 3-0. You've had some tough matches lately. 
Yeah, we we traveled out to IPFW and Ball State, and uh, you know they're both teams that uh, have made really good improvements over the course of the season. And our guys went into the gyms, and you know how it is traveling and being in hostile environments. And and Arnie's Army, you know, has got a couple of kids on that team that when you look at them in the you know warming up, you're thinking, okay, some nice players. But boy, do they play with a lot of heart in that place. And uh, you know, hats off to Arnie, uh, did a nice job there. And then Ball State, you know, Joel Walton's getting some more support from his administration. Um, he's got some players that have gone through that program now, and you know, uh, kudos to them. They did a nice job at Ohio State. You know, if, if their opposite Lutz is on, they're they've widened the court to 30 feet, and if their opposite's not having a good day, then that's when they're vulnerable, as you've seen in some previous results. So, um, yeah, Lutz is Lutz is pretty key to their success. That's for sure. Mike, BYU idle this week, but UC Irvine once again give his, giving us an example of this season. So they go out, they lose the Pepperdine 1-3, and then they crush Southern Cal 3-0. It just continues to seem to me like anything can happen because Long Beach lost to UCLA and then came back and beat George Mason, but in five. Right, and Pepperdine had a really good week, and they've been up and down. They were real highly thought of early, and Mars got them playing really, really well right now. And basically, BYU, I think, can wrap up the MPSF and the home home advantage. If they can get by Northridge and Long Beach on the road this week, I think that is going to put them in the driver's seat because they've already got two two wins over, over Irvine. If they can beat Long Beach to split, I think they're just about in the driver's seat to host the regionals, and that'll about guarantee them a berth in the Final Four. But don't forget, Lewis beat BYU at BYU earlier in the year. Long Beach beat him at BYU. So no one's invincible. Yeah, absolutely no one's invincible. And then I look at the matches between Hawaii and Cal Baptist. Hawaii goes out and beats Cal Baptist twice. Jay, is this a continued proliferation of talent, or is this simply Brazilians being imported for victories? First of all, I don't think Hawaii won. I think Cal Baptist won both matches, if I'm not That's mistaken. No, you said uh, Cal Baptist beats Hawaii. Or, uh, Hawaii beats Cal Baptist. And so anyway, I meant to say Cal Baptist beats Hawaii, yeah. I knew what you meant. You know, that that match, or those two matches, uh, before this weekend, uh, I think Cal Baptist was 9 and Hawaii was 10, or it was flip-flopped one or the other. And that's really the, the, the spot that's battling to get into the tournament. Because as we know right now, UC Santa Barbara is the number 8 spot. And they're the hot team right now. They're on a four-match win streak. And, you know, Rick is doing some things over there where the guys are finally starting to buy in, and they're, they're healthy and they're going in against components and they're doing some nice things in the gym. Uh, you know, you, there's a real possibility that Hawaii, USC, San Diego, Pacific, and Cal Baptist will not make the tournament. And uh, that eight spot, is, I think eight and ten right now they are. And, and the next one is Cal Baptist, seven and nine. It's a hotly, hotly contested spot. Yeah, I mean, USC runner-up and that close to winning a national championship last year, returning still most of their team, and they may not even make the playoffs right now the way things are going. Yeah, yeah. New poll, just out. BYU idol maintains that first-place ranking with 15 first-place votes. You see Irvine in second. Pepperdine picked up a first-place vote, so I'm glad that got through. Thanks a lot for that one, Sonheimer. Did you Pepperdine vote for him? third. They <laughs> don't give me a vote. Come on now. Long Beach in fourth, UCLA in fifth. Then it's Stanford-Lewis, Ohio State, Northridge, UC Santa Barbara. Actually, Northridge and Santa Barbara tied down there at ninth. And then Cal Bap, Hawaii. Penn State, Loyola Chicago, and Southern Cal. Southern Cal continuing to struggle through their season. When was the last time that Penn State was out of the top ten for like you know multiple weeks? I mean, it's got to be fifteen, twenty years. And it's been it's been a while, but you know this is one of those years. We got some young guys in the court, and we're figuring our way. And you know it's expected. You can't have winning years all the time. Just ask Fergie. I expect Pavlik to have it every single year with you as assistant coach. <laughs> every I, single year. I mean, bringing this that is, talent. 
This is more of a year where you celebrate Mason and Princeton and Harvard for doing great things than you do for looking at PSU for maybe not having as good a season as you want. We're we're just a young group. We're we're putting it all together and figuring it out, and we're working hard in the gym. That's about How's all. How's that you BYU scouting report coming in for uh, May second? That one that's first semifinal match at Pauley Pavilion. Oof, oof. <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if they make it out. We'll know. We'll see if they make it out. I love that right there. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be here. We, we, we need, we need for that Big Ten for draw out here. Ah, all the chatter, all the talking down to your team, Jay. We'll see you here. You'll be in doing the net live right after the, the championship. You'll be, you'll be around. I guarantee. I, I tell you what, I, I, if you told me that that was the case, I would, uh, I'd be a gambling man and put money on it. But you know what? Uh, it's, it's one of those years. We'll see who comes out. It's gonna be a battle either way. I thought he was going to do the new Splash show if if this team gets in here. I thought it was going to be something bigger than that or something. (laughs) I'd I'd love to see the new Pauly Pavilion. I heard it looks pretty. (laughs) You know, Splash makes you wonder how some things get on TV. It just (laughs) anything on TV with the right right backing. Yes, that's right. All right, tell me tell me why this week Pepperdine is going to rise to number one. I don't see that happening and unless BYU comes out and loses to Northridge and Long Beach back-to-back. But Pepperdine's only got USC this week. They should win, and then they will get BYU the week after. Ooh. Tough times for the Waves? No way. Waves are playing right. really well right now, so we'll we'll see what happens. And then UCLA and Stanford are off for final exams, and UCLA has to come back and play at Irvine the week after. Yeah, okay. I want to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up, Sandy, because Stanford has basically a 19-day shutdown to their entire season. And as a college coach, Jay, what's your opinion on that, on the idea of shutting down your team and your competitive schedule for school? I'll tell you what, I, th- I think there's a couple inherent benefits from it. First of all, uh, you know, you, you come out of the gate smoking, you're, you're running hard, you're going after it each week, and if you have a, a, a team of talent that's maybe seven or eight players deep and those same players are playing all the time, I think it's extremely crucial to your success that you can give them a break and let them recharge and regroup. Um, you know, granted, you are still doing schoolwork, but you're not in the gym daily, you know, going after it. You're not breaking your legs down. You're not ripping your shoulder apart. You're, you're taking a break from the whole thing. If you're one of those teams that it's, you know, you're kind of deep and you got some talent in the bench and you can, you know, rest some guys here and there throughout the season, I think it more or less is, is keeping them fresh and, and, and keeping them in the gym so that they can, uh, you know, they, they're, they're touching the ball and, and, and keeping on top of it a little bit. But if you're a smaller team without that talent, I think that's a huge plus, to be honest with you. Sandy, what about the academic view of that? I mean, they always talk about student-athlete, and that gets lost many times in the bigger sports for sure, but this even takes it a step beyond to shut it down that much. I think you have great academic schools in Stanford and UCLA and the conference, and the quarter system does that. I mean, I think it's very, very tough to be a semester school and be in the NCAA volleyball because the championships are always either the week of finals or the week after finals, and that's always a shutdown time and playoff time. Penn State goes through that. SC goes through that. Um, you know, things like that are going to happen with major schools. And in women's volleyball, the same thing happens because everybody goes through finals at the same time in women's. Jay, back yes. this week. Matches this week. All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to look to see what Princeton does at Loyola and Lewis. Even though 
Cody Kessel is out. He had a broken hand uh, that he suffered a little earlier in the season. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what Princeton does there. I'm also looking to see what Harvard does out at Cal Baptist and, and CSUN. Uh, I know that Harvard beat CSUN last year, and Cal Baptist is a good team. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do. I'm looking really at, a, at one match in particular, actually two matches. One, I'm looking to see what BYU and Long Beach State does. Those right. are two of the top teams in the MPSF, and that's going to be a battle. I'm also interested to see what Hawaii and UOP does. Here's the reason why. Hawaii's battling for that last playoff spot, and if they're going to have any chance at all, they've got to beat both matches against UOP. If they split with UOP or if they lose both the UOP, I think Hawaii's uh, season is done. Um, and UOP's been making some changes lately. So I'm going to be watching those matches with some uh, with some open eyes. Mike? Um, definitely for me, BYU and Long Beach. Long Beach being the first time at BYU. Long Beach, I think, let down when they were up 2-0 against UCLA, and that was a big loss because it pretty much eliminated Long Beach, I think, from the conference title. And if they have any chance, they're going to have to beat BYU and hope someone else can beat BYU along the way like Pepperdine. All right, gentlemen. Thanks very much again for another report on the week of men's volleyball. We'll see you in two weeks. We're off Appreciate now. it, gentlemen. So two, two weeks, weeks we should be talking playoffs. Look forward to talking to you about the March Madness basketball time, so that'll be good. Yeah. Playoffs. Playoffs. Perfect. Playoffs. Thank you. Mike and Jake. Maybe Take care. Bye bye. All right, good information there. No doubt. About uh, a whole variety of collegiate volleyball from Kathy DeBoer of the ABCA and from uh, Jay and Mike on College Volleyball Weekly. Let's take a, a short break, and we'll be right back. I'm going to wrap up some of those things from Kathy DeBoer. I want to talk about some of the things she touched on and get your thoughts, Jeremy. And then we'll uh, we'll get out of here on a Monday. Sweet.
We believers, we leaders, we astronauts, we champions, we truth seekers, we students, we teachers, we politicians, we preachers, preachers. We believers, we leaders, we astronauts, we champions. Jeremy, I like that music. Very inspirational, huh? Yeah, very kind of climb the mountain, go to the next level kind of stuff. I'm looking for, they remind me of a group that has music on the Madden franchise a couple of years ago. They had a couple of good songs. I think I 40 was in their title somewhere. And I threw out some 40, like E40. <laughs> I tried to get you with I thought 40. that was E60. Try to get you with 40 seconds to Mars, but 30 seconds to <laughs> 30 Mars. 30 seconds. I know that <laughs> one. Jeez. Uh, I'll find anyone out there. Oh, 40 yards, 40. Oh, I like that you're looking up music. Gosh, I'm, I'm going to start. Probably, I'm not, gonna think probably not good soon, for the show. As soon as the show is over, I will think of it. Then you'll text me. But it's it's aspirational. I like that. I like that when you're reaching higher because the tunes are making you do it. How about reaching higher if you're one of these universities and you're thinking of adding a sport? Fastest growing emerging sport ever. Women's collegiate beach volleyball. Maybe we can go back to calling it beach volleyball. But if you're not on the beach. Now, she had a good point, though, that that's how it's identified. As beach? Yeah, that it's identified as beach volleyball. It's fine. Uh, an, an interesting comment. The sport that Misty and Carrie and Phil and Todd built. Oh, that's what stuck out to me the most. And I had the thought of, so did all of Carrie and Misty's success help more on the collegiate side than it ever did on the pro side because of this? I think you'd have to say so because they started a brand new sport that doubled in teams yet their profession is garbage. It's gone in the trash can. People on the chat board ask if, there's a, if we talked beach yet, and then I just put a bunch of dots on there. Here's the update. <laughs> Here is the update. That's an, it was, I had never, that thought hadn't crossed my mind until Kathy said that. Like, did Carrie Misty really have more of an effect in college than they did in the pros? Well, they created something. That's good. Well, we, no doubt. We've asked the question before, was the... Was the group of the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, responsible or to blame for the carnage left behind? Both. Wasn't run well, but it got eyes on the sport. They got eyes on the sport in a way that has not been seen since. And even in the the rebirth after 2001, under AVP2, it should be like AVP1. Oh, we're on 88 like, to 90. We're like on four now. 95, right? AVP one. Let me see if we can figure this out. AVP one is 1980. What? I think 85. 85. I think. Okay, it's kind of generous. I mean, I'm talking about as far as uh, like oh, attention, was... attention. So let's say 88. Okay. Where they started to get a lot of attention, right? 1988 to. 1990, we'll even give them five, which I think is generous. 
Cardoff on the chat board asked if the AVP can keep up keep up with the movie franchise of the same name. <laughs> Requiem. Aliens vs. Predators. I still have not seen the rest of the one where they have all the killers they take to a planet and they drop them off and so That's on. That's actually not awful. It was good. Lawrence Fishburne, Adrian Brody. Entertaining. I wanted to see the rest, but I caught it both times at the same at one thirty after a supercross no, where no. I have to get up. I, I cannot stay and watch this. Drink. Okay. So AVP one is eighty eight to ninety five. AVP two is two thousand one, and and we'll give them two thousand ten. I think it was it was fading nine 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 and be, a half nine yeah nine and a half. All right, they don't get credit for ten. You're right, they don't get credit. They get nine two thousand nine. So that's eight years, right? Mm-hmm. All right, that's AVP two. First time AVP was seven years. I think they're doing the math right now. AVP three. Will there be an AVP3? Because <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. We have not seen it. And it won't even be AVP, will it? It'll be called something else, maybe. Beach Volleyball 1, Beach Volleyball 2. Whatever it is, around year six, you better start worrying about your investment if you're involved. Because uh, seven and eight years appears to be the shelf life of Pro Beach Volleyball at this point. It's going to be shorter than that now. Well, you have to have a start in order to have a finish. Great point. <laughs> oh, I hope that, uh, that that happens. But, yeah, it's interesting the credit that, that those Olympic athletes get for the emergence of collegiate sand. Great to see the growth in the West. I wonder if collegiate sand wasn't somewhere where the teams in the Southeast saw an opportunity to jump, get get a little bit of a head start on the teams from the West. Now the teams from the West have gone, ah, ah wait a minute. Hold your horses. It's our sport, no matter what surface you're playing on. It's Cal, Pacific, Stanford, Grand Canyon. Yeah. Cal State, Bakersfield. That's a lot of new participation. I think the competition's good. I like it. The more there is. I think um, there was some discussion on the chat board, like there has been a lot of these coaches are coaching both indoor and sand. So how much time do they have to really recruit for either it's tough. You talk to Scott Wong of Hawaii. Yeah. He's the assistant coach in the indoor, and now he's the head coach outdoor. Yeah. It's impossible. I didn't realize that at first. Like They're using some of the same coaching staff. I mean, I know Stein Metzger is coaching UCLA out here, but I don't believe he has anything to do with the indoor team. He was assisting. He was volunteer assistant, I think, trying to get his foot in the door over yeah. there. So he volunteered, and now he's the head coach of Beach. So I don't know how much he'll still have to do with indoor then. You know? I don't know. I would that. say none. Very little. Correct. One of the reasons when I talked to uh, Brandon Rosenthal about it in his school, why doesn't his school add it? He's in the A-Sun. A-Sun yep. added a ton of teams. Yep. It's just it's more work for him. There's no reward for it, really. On the coaching side. Yeah. Because you have no life at this point. No. Because now you have to recruit year-round for two different sports. And coach year-round while you're recruiting. For two different sports. So what... So then at that point, everything is taking a hit. You can't recruit as much unless you can send people out to do it for you. You're not. So what's suffering? Are you coaching less? Are you recruiting less? Like, what's taking the hit? Something's going to take a hit. Yeah, or all of it takes a hit. What else struck, stuck with you? That was really the, It was really that main one, but the fact that Phil and Todd's name is in there, does it because there's no men's beach program in college? Do they get credit for that? I'm sorry, what was the question? Yeah. So that that's your answer? 
Oh, here we, here's a little thing from Ojan. Stein is not making any money for the beach yet. Their beach program is completely unfunded. No scholars, no budget, no stipend. Huh. Interesting. Great. So then he has plenty of time because he's not making any money. <laughs> I don't know how he's getting by. Well, the volunteer coaching job's probably not paying much either. But I guess now technically both would be volunteer, wouldn't they? If you're the head coach, you're still volunteering if you're not getting paid? Right. Gotcha. Right. Maybe there's a promise in the future. That would be the hope. You'd think so. Um, no, that was the big one that stuck out with me with Kathy. I think uh, there's obviously pros and cons to everything. I think having another program for more athletes to play in is not ever going to be a bad thing. You can't convince me it's bad. Mm-hmm. You can convince me that it hurts other things for sure. But giving more students the opportunity to play sports they love, I'm not ever going to be upset with that. No. And I, Kathy touched on an important point that if we can drive students to the school, drive interest in the school, drive advertising to the school – and say it exactly that way, but that that's a positive for the sport. I mean, really, that's what these sports programs are. They're advertising. And that's why whenever the discussion comes up about football and all the deficit of football and the money of football, well, yeah, if you just look at the raw budget, ticket sales versus money spent on the sport, well, true, it doesn't pencil. But the advertising income or value, the advertising value of that sport and that effort to your school is – Huge for these big schools. The brand. Don't tell me Texas doesn't sell more merchandise, millions of dollars more merchandise per year because of the football team. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars yeah. because of that football team. Video games. Yeah, so those that are against, usually it's just folks that are upset at athletics in general and their their space in the world and think that, it, that athletics shouldn't have such a, a space in the world are usually the ones that get this argument going, oh, it doesn't make money, it destroys the school, all the other things. Well, you got to look at the, the broader sense of what that's bringing to the school. Yeah. Advertising value, branding value, those types of items. Gotcha. That, well, think, are let me ask you this, then, too, since if, back to the Stein thing, if he's not making money coaching, does it make sense to have that team? Because then at that point, isn't it a club team? I guess it just depends on where they're playing. So if I play other colleges, you're not a club team. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it's working, honestly. Like, what makes that like? My cousin plays frisbee golf in school and plays other colleges, but they're club teams because it's not NCAA sanctioned. So that would be the difference. Sand is NCAA sanctioned. Frisbee golf is not. Even if your coach is getting money or not. Froff. Froff. Yeah. Summer of George. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Summer of George. I'm gonna read a book. A book and um, play a lot of frolf. Because you're slacking. I have a coach in two weeks for Coach's Corner that's going to talk about the subject of having to coach sand and beach because you've been slacking. I appreciate that. Someone yeah, picking up welcome. slack for me. I'm still trying to search for this musical group and I can't find it. Well, it's stop really it because we know that you don't know what you're talking about. It's bothering me so much. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out right after the show. We will have a show in two weeks. What's happening next week? I'm in Chicago. You guys are welcome to have a show, but I'm not here. Please. Couldn't get the headsets to work today. I'm not going to have a show. Yeah, exactly. 
I will be in Chicago. I will be staying downtown at the Fairmont with the family. Going to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I will also be appearing at Tompolo Bampo and Frontera Grill, a fantastic restaurant combination there by Master Chef Rick Bayless. Should I know Chicago. the chef, too? Uh, Rick Bayless is a good chef, man. You ought to go to Frontera Grill next time you're in Chicago. Reasonably priced and incredible food. I would love to. Yeah. I just want to point out that you're saying our next show is April 1st. Well, we are. Two weeks. So we may or may not be there. But what I'm saying is that like an April Fool's joke. Like, right. So we may. Messing with people. You'll have to tune in. Good luck, everybody. Good luck. I will also be visiting The Bean there in Chicago, taking pictures. Maybe I'll post some of those on Facebook or the Net Live. I will say this. I'll be in Naperville as well. Be appearing in Naperville. I'm not sure you follow me on Instagram because you should, because I follow you, because we're friends. I don't follow you. I, you should, better make it happen. I should follow you. I've never you. seen you like any of my photos. Okay. I Regardless. Okay. I'm trying to give you compliments. Let me here. take care of that right now. I'm trying to give you compliments. You take legit photos and post on Instagram. Oh, thank you. All your photos flying home yesterday with your Smoothie King <laughs> from Dallas. <laughs> My Jamba Juice? Yeah. I'll have to find you on here. Can I tell you how excited I was when... I probably followed Nicole. When I wa- Yeah, probably. When I walked into the Vegas airport at mm, 6 o'clock in the morning. Yes. That, this, that Jamba Juice was right in front of me. Yes. I was so excited. And yeah, it sounded because I was like, what am I going to get? I'll go get a green tea, but I need like food, but I don't want something awful. So you texted me while you were there. Or you uh, Twittered. You, you tweeted. Yeah, I tweeted you. While you were at Jamba Juice? Yes. I was at Jamba Juice yeah, in Dallas, at that moment. Yeah. And I tried to take a picture, but my app wasn't I working right. I remember this Twitter conversation. Yeah. I, did, I tweeted you because I didn't know what time zone you're in, so I didn't want to text you and wake you up. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm like, yes, I'm sitting at Jamba Juice right now. I had out the uh, the oatmeal. With bananas, no sugar, and the protein berry workout. Nice. I will say this, that in the airport, my smoothie cost like $6.50. Right. As opposed to down the street from my house where it costs 4 something. Yeah, it's not bad, though. Six fifty? Yeah, it's inflation. For a 16-ounce smoothie? I don't even care. When Jamba Juice is there, I'm just no, so I'm... happy that I don't have to go eat like a cheese croissant from somewhere. <laughs> or when you walk by the Wendy's, that's serving breakfast. Right. I'm like, wait, <laughs> Hold on a second, Wendy's. <laughs> I don't need 1,300 calories and 900 gra- grams of fat right in the morning. No. And Smoothie King was there in DFW. I knew I had to walk like around the other side of the D terminal to get to it. Yes. I just decided that I wasn't doing it. It was too far to walk to get a picture of me throwing a Smoothie King cup back in or giving the double birds <laughs> while in a 3G negative dive I to was, Smoothie King. When I saw your tweet, I was sitting on the plane. Laughing at just the image of you taking a sip of your Smoothie King, and as you're turning around, it's already in your hand being whipped yeah. back into, I don't even know if you call it a restaurant, but back into <laughs> its hole, its hole, and yes. it's just smashing on the back of the wall. Well, yeah, I, I envision mid-throw where the arm is cocked back, everything's moving forward like a pitcher, where like the elbow is back, and the top of the cup, the, the little top has popped off, you can see the straw still sticking through, and... There's a little bit of smoothie coming out the back, but the, the majority of the 64-ounce, 5,000-calorie, 900 grams of sugar smoothie is just about to launch back over the counter and splatter all over the menu. Yes. I will say this. like Jamba Juice probably isn't the healthiest because of all the right. sugar that's in it, Right. but it's going to be better than the eight pounds of sugar they put in Smoothie King. It's not ice cream. There's no ice cream in it. Correct. There's no Froyo. Yes. In the smoothie. I get the all-fruit smoothies. And when it's fruit, they put in bananas and strawberries. They're not putting in, and this is my, one of my beefs with Smoothie King, 
they pull out like the strawberry topping that you would put on ice cream, which oh, is yeah. syrup and little tiny pieces of what once was a strawberry, but now yeah. is just infused with sugar. Yeah. That's their fruit additive. Plus juice. It's a diabetic coma in a cup. I try to explain this to people. If you drink a glass of orange juice, right. it's like eating 12 oranges. Right. Right. You don't need that much. Look at the in nutritional information. Look on the back of a orange juice container. One serving, 38 grams of sugar. Yeah. And when 38. I, when I was a kid, my grandfather would make fresh orange juice. Like he had the juicer right there. Like he cut the orange in half and juiced right. it. And I always got it in a tiny little cup. I'm right. Like, Why? And I always give me a big glass of milk, and which I hate so milk. Good. But the orange juice was delicious. I'm like, I don't want more. Right. Why are you giving it to me in this small cup? But as I get older, I realize... That you don't have diabetes. I don't need 36 oranges in my orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Just eat an orange instead. How about that? We're not getting sponsored by Smoothie King anytime soon on this program. Well, no. We're working on our Jamba Juice sponsorship, though. I think about that, too. Like, I always found beach volleyball, they would take money from wherever I get it. But when you are promoting a healthy beach lifestyle and certain sponsors are not necessarily considered a part of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're sponsoring the tour. I always found that amusing. Is it funny when you're promoting a cool guy, cool lifestyle, and you're wearing the most uncool shoes ever? Crocs? Yeah. Can you play it the same way on that? They tr- asked me if I would wear Crocs. I told them no. My reason was, A, nobody can see my feet anyways. And B, <laughs> watching all you fools walk around airports with your Crocs on, because whatever part of the rubber of the shoe and the surface they have at airports, I can't tell you how many AVP staff members I saw trip and fall on their face. <laughs> Catching a toe pick? Catching a toe pick and just going <laughs> down. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm not ever wearing them. Oh, I love it. I wore them. I attempted to wear the flip-flops one time. I was walking down the hill to the Manhattan Beach Tournament. Yeah. It's like 7 in the morning. I'm the only one walking down the hill. And I can hear my feet squeaking. Yeah. I took them off and threw them. <laughs> Don't know where they are to this day. Excellent. Walk to the walk to the tournament rest of the way barefoot. Nice. I was not pleased. Dedication. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's have an audio test here. We're gonna figure out these headsets. We're gonna get off the air in two weeks we'll be back. Or not on April. With 1st. brand new headsets. With brand new headsets. Or are they fake headsets because it's April Fools? <laughs> That's we'll, right. we'll all find out together. We will know. And we'll have some new guests for you here on the show. We'll have College of Volleyball Weekly. We will have also the coaches corner. And uh maybe more than Jeremy and I, but who needs that anyway? <laughs> Carry the show just fine. The Net Live, Kevin and Jeremy, checking out. Hey, guys, it's springtime. Get out and play some ball. Even if you're living in the Midwest, it's not too bad there. Maybe I'll go get some sets out at Four Lakes. Hate you. Next week. Hate you. While I'm in Chicago. Well, Dustin and I will send you photos from the NASCAR event. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you again soon. Later, boys. <laughs>